welcome to our Victory Outreach Chino podcast. We pray you are blessed, encouraged, and challenged with this message. But I want you to re- get your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 2. We're going to continue in this whole power type of ministry. I believe God has anointed many of us to flow in the power gifts, the power gifts, and also for many of us to be a part of the power ministry of the Holy Spirit. I believe that God is still in the miracle working business. I don't know if you believe it, but I do. There's some people think there's other uh, different belief systems and different denominations that believe after the apostles went on to be with the Lord that there's no more spiritual gifts for the power of ministry. But I, I believe that's a big fat lie. Because we see the evidence of it happening in our churches and our ministry all around the world. God is able to raise up people full of faith, believing for big things and for great things to take place. Mark chapter 2, when you have it, say, I got it. We're going to put it on the screen if you don't have a Bible, but it, it's good to bring a Bible. I like my big fat Bible. I had it all marked up. Some of it's tore up because my kids tore it up when they were kids. I don't know. But anyway, Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Now, who was in the house? Then I'll say it out loud. Who was in the house? Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four, four men. Say four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd they uncovered the roof where he was so when they had broken through say broken through they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying and when Jesus saw their faith say their faith that's very important there their faith he said to the paralytic son your sins are forgiven you and some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, they're reasoning in their hearts, right? But immediately when Jesus perceived, that word perceived, I looked it up, it means to know fully with a degree of, of thoroughness. To know fully. In other words, it's like a word of knowledge. In other words, Jesus knew exactly what was in their hearts. And in his spirit, they, uh, in his spirit, they, re- they reasoned thus within themselves. He said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to a paralytic, your sons are forgiving you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And the word immediately. Throughout the book of Mark, if you notice, there's a lot of immediately, immediately, immediately. Immediately, the Bible says, he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying this. This is the phrase. We never seen anything like this. We never saw anything like this. I believe we're living in that time of miracle territory where we never seen anything like this. How many of you believe that is possible in this time? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word you've given me. And I pray that you would continue to move here in this church and through your people. God, I pray that you would empower us today, not only to receive miracles, but also to be miracle workers for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Tell the person next to you, say, Jesus is in the house. And you may be seated. I've been to Israel you know, three times, three separate times. First time when I was engaged to my wife, and I believe it was a 90, early 99, 1999, and we had all the butterflies, and they, they were tripping out on us because we were, she was leaning on me, falling asleep in the bus, holding hands, and some of the pastors that were real strict in the old days, they'd say, hey, they're getting a little too close. I said, I've been waiting for a long time, brother. I don't care what you say. <laughs> I already put a ring on it. Not a little boy no more. I'm 29 years old. Don't mess with me. Don't judge. But recently we went again with a smaller group and uh, we were able to go to see uh, Capernaum. 
and the history of Capernaum and also the house that they say was uh, Peter's mother-in-law's house. Now, there's different people that say different, but that's mostly what people believe. It was Peter-in-law, Peter's mother-in-law's house. And so this is where this took place. This, this place was called Peter's uh, mother-in-law's house. And I want to just start with this. What triggered this miracle? What triggered this miracle? And it's a word called faith. I don't know if you ever heard my dad's message on faith at one time at one of the conferences. And he kept saying, faith, faith, faith. It was almost like he was imparting it to every one of us, thousands of people. Faith. That's what it's going to take to see the miracle power of God. And Jesus saw their faith. It wasn't one person's faith. It was their faith. Now, you got the other guys, the scribes and the Pharisees, they're mocking. They're, they're reasoning in their hearts, negative. There's always going to be the doubters. There's always going to be that person in the room who says, ah, it didn't really happen. Oh, there's no miracle. Oh, they're just emotional. Oh, there's, doubt all you want. God's still doing the miracle. He's a miracle-working God. He's a miracle-working God. He is the... And, come on, help me. Okay, stop there. Good job. Join the choir. Hebrews 11.1, 1, what does it say there? You know, many of you know it by heart. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In other words, you don't see it in the natural but your faith sees it in the spirit. You get that. You visualize it happening instead of not happening. You visualize pain being gone rather than looking for the pain. Recently, I hurt my rib two weeks ago, it, or almost three weeks now, and it was painful. Anyone ever have a rib injury? Come on, don't lie. Some of you got beat up one time. <laughs> It takes a while to go away. It takes a while to go away. Man, I, I, every morning I'm waking up with pain. Uh, and I'm trying to sleep. I can't sleep. Thank God it's going away. And you know what's funny? Is that when I get from, from that carpet to this stage, it goes away. I, I, for the last two weeks. There's something about the anointing. Then when I go back and sit, oh, it goes again. So I hurt my foot, hurt my rib, and I'm not going to tell you the whole story because I don't want to humiliate myself in front of everybody. But sometimes we look for the pain, we don't look for the miracle. We look for the pain pill instead of the pain reliever, Jesus Christ. I should drop the mic on that. He's the ultimate pain reliever. He's the one that ultimately can heal us. He's ultimate in every facet. He is a miracle-working God. And he uses people that have faith to do the miracles. So what signified their faith? What signified their faith? See, these four men brought this paralyzed man. And the fact that they heard about Jesus being in the house and made their way over there. See, Jesus was doing miracles prior to this miracle. And the word spread like wildfire. The fame began to spread about him. He healed the leper right before this story. He, he's able to touch the leper. No one ever touched a leper before, but Jesus did it. He touched the leper. He healed the leper. He loved the leper. Who loved you as a drug addict? Who loved you when you were in that drug house? Who loved you when you were in that prison house? Who loved you when your wife left you or your, brother, your, 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 your husband left you? Who loved you? Jesus was there. And it was heard that Jesus was in the house. Say, Jesus was in the house. And they heard about all the miracles Jesus had been performing. It was a draw factor. But also the critics came, too. So the people that are hungry to receive came, but also the critics came to judge. I hope we don't have critics in this room today. It's good to be analytical sometimes. It's good to be a little bit critical, but don't be negative critical. Try to be positive critical. Bring a positive touch to it. In other words, if you see something wrong, how can I fix it? How can I make it better? 
You know, you don't, you don't want to be that guy in the room that's always negative, pointing out the negative, amplifying the negative, or that girl in the room always looking for the negative. Oh, man, look at her eyelashes. They're so fake. Oh, my God, look at those high heels. Oh, my God. Shut up. <laughs> Just serve God and love Jesus. I know there's no people like that in this room. They were hearing about Jesus, the miracle worker, and I'm sure it elevated their faith. These four men heard about Jesus. They heard about Jesus. They didn't possibly see him at this point, but they heard that he was doing miracles. They were probably thinking, we got to get you to him, the paralytic. Somehow, I, 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 this is theory now. This is just maybe reading into it a little bit. They must have been friends for a while. They must have been friends for a while. They probably maybe partied together. I don't know. And this guy was, they were all in sin, and, and somehow he got paralyzed. I can't prove that, but I'm just kind of like reading into it just a bit. Because I want us to get the picture that there's some reason why these four guys wanted this guy healed. There's, there's some a person in the hospital right now that we're praying for. He's been a friend for years. He was part of this church for years. And he almost died. But we started praying. And he woke up out of the coma. They were going to pull the plug on him. But God says, no, we're not pulling the plug yet. Because he still has hope. There's still life in him. He opened up his eyes. He began to... Come on, clap your hands. Another one, another one of my friends... He was, they were going to open him up, have open heart surgery, but we prayed, and they didn't have to open him up after all. He's at home now. Another one of my friends, sitting in this room right now, went through a major surgery, had some complications, but we prayed. And through our faith, and through the faith of our brothers, we have seen them get out of that hospital and now they're walking, and now they're talking, and now they're living. Come on, somebody clap your hands. we got to start believing again. We're hoping, they were, they were hoping, I should say, these young men were, I'm just considering them young, they were hoping that Jesus had a solution for their friend. They were willing to make effort to get him to Jesus, even when there were obstacles in the way. The house was so packed, there was no way to get him to Jesus. They couldn't even get through the front door. And in those days, in, in, in the houses that they made, it was flat roof and it made of clay and different types of, uh, you know, uh, fibers and different things like, like as far as grass and stuff like that. And, uh, and there, was a, there was a stairway on the side that would go up. And so they said, there's no way in the front, no way through a window, no way, I mean, we can't get in. But they were so determined for their friend. So we gotta get we gotta get him in there somehow. Realize, not realizing exactly how whose house that was. Peter's mother-in-law. How many of your mother-in-law mother-in-laws are not too happy with stuff like that? And Peter would get in trouble. He said, You brought you brought your friend Jesus over here to mess up my house. But they were determined. They were determined. See, they were determined. Imagine the effort it took to take him up to the roof and tear away the layers of the roof. It took effort. Let me ask you a question. What obstacles are standing in your way for your miracle? What obstacles are in your way? Are you willing to show the faith you have by the actions you take? Faith is action. It's not a, a verbal faith. It's not a said faith. It's a do faith. You don't just say it. You do it. You act upon it. When, when God says pray for this person, you pray for them. When God says pray for your, your own personal need, you pray for it. You don't just dwell on the problem. Dwell on the obstacle. Oh, man, our bills are piling up and blah, blah, blah. And you're under it instead of getting above it. And say, you know what, God, you're still a miracle-working God. I'm in this growth challenge, and I know you're testing me, God. You're allowing me to be tested with my growth challenge, but I'm going to keep on praying. I'm going to keep on fasting. I'm going to keep on reading. I'm going to keep on my devotionals. I'm going to keep on being a good steward. I'm going to continue. Even when things are not going my way, I'm going to keep the faith, and I'm going to believe for miracles to take. Somebody clap your hands. Are you willing to show up when God says show up? 
When God says, go to that hospital room and pray for that person, don't just think about it. You just do it. You say, well, I'm not as powerful as some of the other guys that pray a lot. You still have Jesus. I don't know if I have the big faith like they have it. All you got to have is faith like a mustard seed. Faith that will move mountains. And you just lay hands on somebody. You pray for them. Believe God for them. Have just a, a little bit of faith and God will use that. Some of you have a lot of faith. You're like, yeah, yeah. But some of you get puffed up in your faith. I'm so powerful. <laughs> With my new sneakers and my new clothes. My new watch. It's not in the aesthetics. It's not in the outward. It's what's on the inside. It's the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit, the fire of God that moves the hand of God by faith. There was a lady in Quinnavaca, the pastor's wife, this is, uh, several years ago. I was preaching there. Me and my wife were there. And I was preaching there in Quinnavaca Victory Outreach in Mexico. And I was praying for the sick. And I prayed for the pastor's wife. And she said she had a tumor in her head, in her brain. And I prayed for her. And I didn't know if she got healed at that moment. But years later, I didn't see her for years because we, you know, I don't go to Cuenavaca every year. But I saw her at Guadalajara, one of the events. And she came, she didn't speak Spanish. She didn't speak English that good. And she, through an interpreter, she says, Pastor Sonny, when you prayed for me, I went back to the doctor, and it was gone. It was completely gone. I was healed, and she had tears in her eyes in gratitude that someone stepped out. Someone stepped out by faith, even though you never know if God's going to heal them or not, but at least you're giving, you're giving it a good shot. It's worth it. Some of you pray more for your food than you pray for people. And you do the short prayers. Lord, bless the sweetie men. They got shorter and shorter. Years went by. When you were in the home, you prayed for Africa. You prayed for Asia. You prayed for all the starving people. God. Uh, and then all the men in the home are like, hurry up. I want to eat. Try to be all fancy with your prayer for your food. Just get to the food. Let's go. <laughs> So first things first, here we see, we see what triggered the miracle is faith. Say faith. And the first things first, secondly, is we see here that Jesus was more interested in his spiritual condition than his physical condition. The spiritual condition is eternal. The physical one is temporal. See, this body that we're in right now is not going to be our long-term body. Thank God for some of us, right? Some of you are in perfect shape. Yeah, I work out all the time. Buffed. Well, wait till you get 55 and let's see what happens. <laughs> I'm, I'm working on it. I'm going to get there with these rib, rib injury messed me up. I'm getting back on there. But our spiritual healing is more important than the physical miracle. The spiritual healing is more important than the physical miracle. Jesus addresses his soul condition and forgiveness of sins first. Your salvation is the most important miracle that you could ever receive. And this statement that your sins are forgiving you has eternal impact. This man was paralyzed in two ways. Spiritually bound by sin and physically bound by, by the paralytic. But the most important one to Jesus was a sinful condition. He must have been a, a sinner. All of us are sinners. Even if you, you, you don't think you're a sinner, yeah, you have sinned. If you think you can never sin, then you are a liar. And that's a big sin. It's a big, fat sin. He's the father of lies. And you just had, you know, what came into your mind through him is a lie. Even some of you sinned last night. But you came anyway. You're going to get forgiven. Well, you came in this room. Come on. Some of you sinned on the way to church. Fighting with your wife. You're all fighting. I was fighting with the light right here to turn left. I was like, hurry up. That light takes forever. 
And then I think, why don't I just go to the red light? And then I go, I'm the pastor. I can't do that. <laughs> so I, I went around and I made a U-turn. <laughs> but Jesus is more concerned about his spiritual condition than his physical condition. This, this man was paralyzed in two ways, spiritually and physically. Now, when someone is paralyzed, they are incapable and unable to move a certain body part or all of their body altogether. They no longer have power to move those muscles or the muscles or control the movement. Quote, unquote, they have lost control. Same thing spiritually. When you're bound by sin, you've lost control because you don't have the Holy Spirit helping you to overcome the sin. We see this clearly illustrated with this paralytic that he was not able to physically move and was dependent upon his friends to move him. Now, to take four guys to pick him up, he may have been pretty heavy. Because, you know, some guys you can pick him up with just two guys, right? He may have been, you know, chubby. I don't know. But they, they went out of their way to pick this guy up. But he was also spiritually paralyzed. They didn't even probably think about that. They just thought about his physical condition. Unable to move forward without the help of our Savior. Now, how are sinners paralyzed? Okay. How are they paralyzed? Sinners paralyzed. I'm talking spiritually speaking. They're paralyzed by doubt. They doubt themselves. They doubt the church. They doubt Jesus himself. They doubt so-called Christians that are hypocrites, they doubt that it's real. They doubt that they can overcome sin. They doubt, they doubt, they doubt. And so instead of stepping forward and saying, God, forgive me, cleanse me from all my unrighteousness, I want to draw closer to you. They just keep on doubting and stay stuck in a paralytic position, paralyzed by doubt. I don't think I can make it. I, I want you to know something, too. When I was a teenager, I got saved a few times. You know, even as a 12-year-old, I got baptized in Yosemite. Because they would always speak on the last night, on Friday night, with the fire going, you know, the fire pit. And they'd speak on hell. And they said, you're going to end up here. Burning. And I'm 12-year-old. I'm like, scared. Oh, God. Forget about the bears in the woods. I'm scared about hell. So I get saved. <laughs> then the next day, they have water baptisms in the cold water in Yosemite National Park. And then I go back. For a week, lost my faith, back to the old Sonny Jr., running around the church, doing my thing. And then another time I got saved, but it was, it was more of a set faith, not a real faith. Then I, I, I made up my mind. I said, you know what, I'm not going to do this again. I'm not going to make another altar call unless I really, really mean it. Because they would say, it's, and the Bible says, you know, sin is fun for us. It's pleasure and sin for a season. And I thought, and these guys would come up and preach, you know, not preach, but also testify. They would always try to top each other. Remember Danny's days? Remember your days, Danny? They would come and say, I was in prison for 10 years. And blah, blah, blah. I used to shoot this much of dope and blah, blah, blah. Then the next guy would come up and say, I was in there for 12 years. And I, I shot double the amount of drugs he did. I overdosed five times. I shot five guys. I shot 10. Always trying to top each other. And I'm sitting there as a little kid thinking, man, I live in West Covina with all these suburban kids. I don't see any of this lifestyle going on. Because East L.A. was our church. West Covina was my home. And I thought, you know what? They say sin is fun for a season. <laughs> I want to have my season. But I want you to know, if you, if you try to play God, be careful. Because your, your season will be up. In some cases, abruptly. Some cases, traumatically. We've seen it happen with a couple of our friends recently. We've seen it happen. You never know when it's your day. You must be ready for two things, either death or the rapture. It's hard to clap on that, but go ahead and clap if you can. So meanwhile, we got to get rid of that paralyzed sinfulness. 
In other words, all of us will fall short. Yes, we will. We'll commit sin, but we can get cleansed on a daily basis. If we ask the Lord, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. See, when one is filled with doubt and disappointment, they have lost all hope many times. Just like when a muscle is severely damaged, it becomes immobile. And the muscle of faith is killed by doubt when doubt comes in. So, so it is when, when a person's idea of truth becomes severely damaged, severely damaged, to say, what is right, what is good, what is true, a person's faith and hope can also become paralyzed because of these things that come our way. Trials, tribulations, misunderstandings, uh, things that you thought should have gone your way didn't go your way. There was a young man that was a relative or is a relative of Kim. When he was a kid, he was, you know, his kid, he was a kid, his parents broke up. His father left his mother. And every day he would pray, God, bring my dad home. God, bring my dad home for years. Dad never came back. Never saw his dad again. So it, it damaged severely his faith. He became, actually, he ended up becoming an atheist. Because he thought, God doesn't hear my prayer. God didn't hear my prayer. And he became bitter. I remember meeting him one time at one of the family gatherings and we were talking. He wanted to debate me on Christianity and the truth about the word and all that. And so we got into a debate. This is when we were engaged. I was at her house, her mother's house, Kim's house, and he was talking. We were talking. I said, okay, we could go back and forth on all this stuff. Because he was pretty intellectual. He's smart. But I was smart too. So we're going back and forth. And I think, you know, it's, it's not worth a debate. I said, can I just pray for you? He got nervous. I don't have to lay hands on you. I'll just right here, right at this table. I'll just pray for you. He got so nervous, he got up when he went to the restroom. He didn't want And then his, her brother said, he was sitting on the couch watching TV. He goes, you got him there, Sonny. <laughs> I said, I'll pray with you as you walk away. I'll pray over you. I don't know if he ever came back to the Lord or he's still out there. We're still praying for him. Our faith can be damaged by things that don't go our way. You pray for that sick son and he dies. You pray for that sick daughter and she dies. You pray for that sick wife she dies. You pray for that sick husband. But don't let it damage your faith. Just trust it. If they receive Christ as their personal Savior, they're in a better place. That's what I'm hoping when I go to that memorial this afternoon, that my friend received Christ. I don't even know if they're going to have me share. I, I, I'm not sure, but if I do, I'm going to, I'm going to throw out the net in a cool way, in a, in a nice way to my old friends that we grew up together from kindergarten all the way through high school. But doubt could paralyze anybody. I also want to mention that how, you know, this situation in our lives, disappointments, a loss of love, all, I just mentioned all that right now, traumatic situations could damage our faith. Now, why or how can this happen? When you don't know who Jesus is, that's what it comes down to. You don't know his person, who he is, could damage your faith. You don't know that he's real, that he's alive, he's not in the grave. That he's alive and well, he rose from the dead. And the same power that raised him from the dead now dwells inside of you. So when you feel doubt settling in, you get back into the word. You begin to stir up your faith, stir up that fire. Bring back that blue fire in, your, in the power of the Holy Spirit. So when you don't know Jesus, his person, his passion, his love for you, he has a passion for you. That passion drove him to that cross to be crucified for you and I, to be humiliated on that cross, naked before all these different people, they took upon our sins. That passion of love for you and I drove him to that cross. When you don't know his, prom, his power, his power to heal, his power to forgive, he has, he's all powerful. When you don't know Jesus, his promises that he has for you. He said, if you receive me, you have eternal life. 
old things are passed away. All things become new. And that you will be with me someday. And I'm preparing a mansion for you. And soon and soon to be, I'm coming back for you. Somebody clap. The Bible also says this. To be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. And then we're going to get new bodies later on, right? Glorified bodies. I'm wondering how that glorified body would look. Now, if you're in your 50s or your 80s or whatever, you're probably thinking, let's go back to 30s or 20s. I don't know. Just thought. Just thought. We don't, we, we don't believe that God is a genie granting wishes. He's a sovereign God. We may not understand all the things on this earth, the wise things that don't go our way at times. But knowing God and learning to trust in him can bring you back to life. You may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of suffering. Come on now. To know him is to know life. The Bible also says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Don't fall for the enemy's lies. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but you have life in Jesus Christ. An abundant life. Another thing that kills uh, the faith or sometimes, you know, gets us paralyzed is actual sin itself. Sin itself. So doubt, sin. See, when someone is bound to sin, they have rendered themselves powerless. When you're bound to sin, you could be a Christian that's bound to sin right now. And you can't break it. It's a bondage. Maybe it's a secret sin. Maybe it's something that no one knows about right now. But you're, you're tormented by it because you want to break the chains that bind you. But I'm here to let you know there's power in this house because Jesus is in the house. I've seen people instantly delivered. Some people have to go through some counseling to make some steps. Some people need to get in the home to break those chains. Some people need to go through different processes. But I want you to know, also, Jesus is able to do it in a moment's time. If you admit you're sinning, you admit you have a problem. Some people are in this room probably, I'm going to put it out there, fornicating. Some of you are doing sexting. Got so quiet. So we're looking at bad videos. That's sin. But no one sees it. God sees it. And it pops up on your screen all the time. Different things pop up because you're watching the wrong stuff. Those algorithms are real, man. You just say something. I said something about belly fat one time and it came up in my email. How to get rid of belly fat. <laughs> but sin is a real killer. It's like being in a prison with no way of escape. Some of you were in prison by sin at one time, but God broke you out. So let's get to the solution now. Okay, we have sin, we have doubt. There's multiple things I can say that will take our faith away. But let's get to the solution. The solution was in the house, and that was Jesus Christ himself. A humble man on earth, a carpenter by trade, stepping into his ministry at the age of 30 and started moving in the power of the Holy Spirit, seeing healings. They heard about him. Every word was spreading. They found out that he was in the house teaching. And those four friends had enough faith to say, you know what? If he could heal that leper, if he could heal this other person, the blind man, if he could heal, he could heal our friend. So they had to get their stuff together and say, we're going to take this paralytic. We're going to take our friend to the one that's able to heal him. So when Jesus saw their faith, say their faith, he said to the paralytic, son. I like how he says son. Son. He already called him a son before he was a son. Son, your sins are forgiven you. Maybe the guy was a young kid. I don't know. Son, I, I look at it two ways. It could have been age. It could have been also Jesus saying, you're now my son in the faith. Your sins are forgiven you. And Jesus has the power to forgive and set the captive free. 
is the power to forgive. Is that when your mom doesn't forgive you, God forgives you. When your dad says you're good for nothing, God says you are good for something. When all society has given up on you, Jesus says, I have not given up on you. Even though you're paralyzed by doubt right now, even though you're paralyzed by sin right now, I'm able to break through it and heal you from a sinful life. Jesus has the power to forgive sin and set the captive free. Jesus, the mission statement of Jesus, Isaiah 61, you guys maybe know the scripture. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. See, Jesus declared forgiveness over this paralytic. He, he declared forgiveness. And on the cross, Jesus ultimately paid the price for the sins of mankind altogether. So Jesus forgave him even before he died for him. He had the power because he was son of God and also son of man. He was man, but yet God at the same time, 100% man, 100% God. So he had the authority to do it, even though these doubters didn't believe in him. They didn't believe that the Messiah would come as a humble servant. He didn't believe, they didn't believe that they were, they were looking for a kingdom Messiah, physical kingdom. But he was building a spiritual kingdom, and they didn't get it. They didn't read Isaiah 53, where it says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. So he has the power to save us, the blood of Jesus. Also, he has the power to keep us. The power to keep us. Now, Jude 24 to 25, it's one chapter altogether. Verse 24 and 25 of Jude, toward the back of your Bible, you'll have to turn there. It says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceedingly exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior. Be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Somebody clap your hands. He's able to keep you. When he starts, he finishes. He finishes what he starts. So he saved you to keep you and to raise you. Power to raise you. You were nothing without Christ. Even though you thought you were cool, you weren't that cool. You were a fool. <laughs> you weren't coolio, you were a foolio. You thought you were all hot in those days, the 70s, with those, you know, bell bottoms and flowers and smoking those things, taking those hallucinogenics, thinking you're all good, smiling all the time. Some of you out, young people, you're probably, you know, Vaping, it's vape more, dude. <laughs> Ditching school, think you're cool. You were lost. You were a sinner. And without Jesus, we're lost. But I want you to know, when he saves you, he's able to keep you, he's able to raise you. He's able to raise you. Come on, somebody say amen. He's able to raise you. Yeah. So spiritual healing is most important. That's the best miracle you could ever have. It's eternal. Then physical healing. I believe God is able to heal people physically in this day and hour. And these four friends were key to this miracle. These four friends, they showed what? They showed compassion. They showed care. See, compassion moves the hand of God. Many times you see in the Bible, Jesus was moved with compassion. For people that are hurting. He was moved with compassion. Now he didn't heal every single person he came across. But the ones that he was moved with. Or the ones that went after him. Like the woman with the issue of blood. She went through the crowd. She had to probably crawl through the crowd. To get a hold of his garment. Just to touch the hem. And Jesus felt the power leave him. Because she had faith to believe. If I just touch him. He'll be healed. She was, she, she was bleeding for 12 years. Is that right? 12 years. Yeah. No doctors could help her. No one could help her. Some of the doctors can't help you right now. But Jesus is in the house. 
Come on, clap your hands one more time. So these four friends, they showed compassion. They were moved with compassion. They heard Jesus sitting in the house. They went out of their way. They could have just said, you know, if we get the guy, let's get in the house before we, we can't get in. And that's what some selfish people do. They just say, you know, I'm just going to go for myself. When there's somebody you know that needs Jesus, you, you know, somebody needs to be at church. And sometimes you've got to go out of your way and become an Uber driver. And just go pick them up without having them pay you. Or get them an Uber. Say, hey, meet me at church. I'll buy you coffee. People are desperate. They're hungry for God, but we got to go out of our way. So it took compassion. Secondly, it took care. Both go hand in hand. They cared enough to do something about the situation. Empathy is one thing. Compassion is another thing. Or sympathy, I should say. Sympathy and empathy. Empathy, you could just be sorry for somebody. Or sympathy, you could be sorry for somebody. But when it moves you to do something... That is power right there. There's power in that. There's a lot of compassionate people in this room. Some of you have a real mercy gift. You love people. You care for people. You're at every single funeral because you want to be there for the families. And that's good. And, and, and that's a good trait. And so these four friends cared about their friend. These four friends cared about their friend. It took also determination. Whatever it takes type of spirit. They're willing to do whatever it took to get them in the presence of the Savior, the presence of their healer. And their persistence, through their persistence, they didn't take no for an answer. Okay, they had to get, they had to, had to get some rope or something, right? They had to do something. They had to do extra mile stuff. Then they had to carry them together in unison. Now, if one guy was weak, the bed, bed would flop and the guy would fall. If the other guy was too strong, he'd be carrying it too high, boom, guy would fall. But they had to be in sync. They had to be in harmony. It took teamwork. It took teamwork. Just like in this church, it takes teamwork to make the dream work. It takes teamwork to see our families saved. It takes teamwork to see our groups grow. It takes teamwork to see the gang explode. It takes teamwork to see our choir continue to grow, our music continue to grow, our ministries continue to grow, this church to continue to explode to the point that we have to build more stuff. So these friends got together and said, we're going to get this guy in there. And they, they went to the house, and my God, it was packed. Kind of like a person was jam-packed. And when they got to the house, they said, well, there's no way in the front. But I see some steps on the side. So they got the courage, persistence to get up there and say, and they had to be in unison. If one guy says, I'm not doing it, dude. No, I'm out, bro. This is Peter's mother-in-law's house. I'm out. He'll cut my ear off. I'm not going to take that risk. It took risk. It took faith. And that's what Jesus was impressed with, their faith. He wasn't impressed with the paralytic's faith. Par paralytic didn't have no faith. He was just the subject of the matter, the object. But when they lowered him down, imagine when they're starting to break through, though. I'm just thinking the people in the room that are thinking, what's that stuff falling? That? Please don't do it to this roof. <laughs> don't get that desperate when we start getting packed up. We'll let you in the side door. Well, I will, we'll get you in here somehow. But they saw, they saw something happening. Then boom, and then it's lowered them. Then Jesus went after a spiritual condition. And then he said, son, take up your bed and walk. Take up your bed and walk. Come on, clap your hands. I'm here to tell you, Victory Outreach, some of you need to take up your bed and start walking again. Whatever your condition is, God wants you to walk and, and show the testimony of your faith that God is still in the miracle working business. It takes a lot of effort to even do church services. The gems, they work hard. All the people involved in, in the gems that we have, when people come to church, you see people with their signs, and you see people greeting with a smile. You see the ushers all looking good and sharp. You see all the music people early, early for practice, practicing all week long. You see all this work take place. You see, you don't see me in my prayer closet. That's God, give me the right word. 
That's work. But I want you to know God wants to do more work through you. Having compassion for souls, for the lost, the sick, the hurting. Don't ever lose that. Don't ever lose compassion for people that are hurting. Remember when you needed that compassion for your heart, for your soul. Remember when someone came alongside you. Even some sinners are compassionate. I'll tell you one, this is funny, but it's it's sad too at the same time. Remember that year when, when Astros cheated us? World Series? We didn't know at the time that they cheated. But the first game of that World Series, I was there in my seats. I have seats every fourth game. And now we won. I was like, yes. And then it went to the seventh game. And I'm now this time I'm in nosebleed. The third from the very top up behind home plate. And you got looking down like this. By the seventh inning, I was getting miserable because we were losing. And I was thinking, man, I'm going to pray. I think I told you guys this story one time. And, I, and then all the people in the front row or the row in front of us, they're all drinking. All that, and they all heard me say, we're going to pray. I said, well, I'm going to pray with you. <laughs> so I was there with Pastor Al and another pastor. And we were like, let's stretch our hands. It didn't work. It didn't work. So then I thought to myself, maybe Joel Osteen's people were praying for the Astros before I even prayed right now. <laughs> I'm used to. So then I'm, I'm, after it's over, Al was, it, it became so quiet. The only people you could hear was the people on the field rejoicing and those that came to watch the Astros. Everybody was so quiet. The Dodgers were just, the Dodger fans were like, get the wind knocked out of us. So I'm, I'm right there at the top of the thing, and some guy comes alongside of me with a leather jacket, puts his arm around me. What are you doing? He goes, it's going to be okay. <laughs> it's going to be all right. <laughs> and then, then he went over to Al. He did the same with Al. And I go, who is that guy? <laughs> you know what I thought? Maybe it's an angel unaware. I don't know. Because <laughs> I, I needed the comfort at that moment, to be honest. <laughs> But even sinners are compassionate. How much more should we as Christians? How much more? To give a text and say, you're going to be okay. I'm praying for you. I love you. I'm with you. I got you. I got you. I, I, I encourage you to do something for somebody today. And then every day, try to think of somebody that needs a touch or a call or encouragement. And be that miracle worker. It, the miracle doesn't always have to come in physical form. It comes in emotional form too. I believe the leper that was healed by Jesus was healed mostly emotionally when Jesus loved him and touched him. He hadn't been touched since he got the leprosy. But Jesus, the healer, loved him, touched him, healed him. God wants to use you. To do a miracle. Somebody come to the piano. God wants you to be a miracle worker. God wants to do a miracle in you and through you. Can I hear you out there? If you're watching online, God wants to do a miracle wherever you're watching right now. He's a miracle working God. And I wanted to say this. The last verse of this, of this uh, passage. Very important verse. Watch. Verse 12. It says, immediately. Say immediately. He arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed, all were amazed, including those scribes and Pharisees, and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. We are entering that phase right now in Victory Outreach. It's already started. Miracle territory. We've never seen anything like this. Come on, stand to your feet. We've never seen anything like this. I hope I built your faith today. The word of God builds the faith, but he also uses the instrument of a person speaking to build faith. And God wants to use you 
But he also wants to heal you first. He wants to heal you if, if you're in sin, you're bound, God wants to break it. So I'm going to make two altar calls. Actually, three. But all in one, you're going to come at once. Number one is for those of you that maybe are bound by sin. And don't be, don't be ashamed. We all, we've all sinned and fallen short. There's none righteous, no, not one. But don't stay stuck forever. You say, I don't want people to know. Hey, just let it go. Humble yourself. Humble yourself before God. Humble yourself before man. And then after you make the altar call and get forgiven, talk to somebody. Talk to one of the ministers. Talk to one of the ladies. See, I just made that prayer. I said that prayer. I need more help to stay clean. I need more help to stay, stay on the right track. Maybe you are messing around with somebody. I talked about it earlier. No one knows about it. Secret. It's going to come out. It's going to come out eventually. I want you to get it right. So sin first or bondage or maybe doubt. I want to get you healed from that. Secondly, I want to pray for those that have, need a miracle physically. Spiritually first, physically as well. Some of you need both. And then thirdly, those that feel like, God, I want to be used. I want to be like those four men that have faith for their brother, faith for their sister, faith for their family member, faith for their coworker, faith for their boss, faith for their wife, faith for their child, faith, 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 faith. So if you're in one of those three categories, I want you to come as we sing that song that they're ready. Thank you for joining our podcast. We pray these messages build, encourage, and strengthen you in your faith. If you would like to partner with us, the Mother Church is a great place to sow a seed. So head on over to our website at viochino.org and click the giving link located at the top of the page. Also, we would love to hear from you. So leave us a praise report, prayer request, or if you've given your life to the Lord, let us know by filling out the salvation card. We would love to connect with you and help you get started on your journey of serving God here at Victory Outreach Chino.